Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Well, today I have a fabulous guest on, Sharon Prentice. Sharon lost not only a child, but her husband. And she's a psychotherapist. She's a spiritual counselor. Uh, She's worked with families on helping patients process the grief of losing a loved one. And she's written a book, Becoming Starlight. It is so, just the name thrills me. She's experienced a unique spiritual experience known as a shared death experience. And that experience, she said, gave her a peek into forgiveness and a sense of peace that are otherworldly. Wow. Sharon Prentice, thank you for being on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to talking to you. Becoming Starlight. Becoming Starlight. You know, it's funny. People tried to talk me out of using that title. And I wouldn't listen to any of them because it was always that title, because that is exactly what happened at the moment of my husband's death. How long has it been? I know people are going to want to know that. He died in 1980. And what did he die of? He actually, when the final diagnosis came, it was pancreatic cancer. At the moment of his death, it's such a long story leading up to his death. That's really what, what the book is all about. And at the time of his death, I think I was the most vengeful, rageful, hateful, angry person on the face of the earth because I'd lost my daughter a few years before that. She died nine years before he did. She died a little over two hours after birth. She died in my arms right after she was born. And that was, you you know what you do during those things. You set up this, you know, you plead, you bargain, you beg, you do all of those things. You scream, you yell, you jump. Exactly. And then when I discovered that this God I had been taught about from the time I was a child, you know, this God that lived out there somewhere, looked like Charlton Heston, you know, that that guy. (laughs) Yeah. And when I found out that he wasn't listening to me, I set up this existential battle with death and with God, and I was going to beat them at their own game. I was going to control the universe. I figured if that, if I could do that, then nothing bad could ever happen to me again. And at the same time, my husband was getting sick, and no one knew what was going on with him. So my control is painful too. Oh my God. I mean, it's painful. It's very painful. He was in the military and he was heading to war. He was going to be a military advisor. He was going to be behind military lines. And so they were sent him to SEER training, which is a special type of training they do for, you know, Marines and SEALs and and that type of, uh, that type of training. And he just got sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. And nobody knew what was wrong. Now, you know, they, of course, they, they found out um, right after that there was no way that he could actually go off to war because, because the, the job they were putting him in, if he had been captured, he would most assuredly have died. Wow. So this control thing with me got worse and worse and worse as I was trying to control his illness. So at the moment of his death, you can imagine having all those years of, of my daughter's death and then being so angry when he died, I just 
I, there, there was nothing left of me anymore. And you know, when you let go of ego, then pure energy takes mm -hmm. over and you become nothing but pure consciousness. And that's when I was given this, what is known as a shared death experience. Now, a shared death experience is almost identical to a near-death experience, mm -hmm. except in the near-death experience, the person having that experience is very, very ill, has died, or is right. very much on their way to die. A shared death experience, a person having the experience, there's nothing wrong with them. They are okay. normally by the bedside of the person, but they are totally well, and they are just taken along for a, what I call, uh, to witness the aftermath of physical death. Wow. And that's where becoming starlight comes in. Because the, the thing that happened with me, I breathed in his last breath, not knowing it was his last breath. Wow. I breathed it in. And when I, I realized that that's what had happened, I just let go of everything. There was, you know, I mean, what else can you do at that moment? Because you've lost you know, you have lost yourself, you've lost everything. And the ceiling started to go away and the floor I was standing on started to go away, even though I knew I was standing on it. And you know what I noticed? The stars, billions and billions and billions of stars. I could see each star individually and yet it was one big massive star, one big light. And I have said that I walked into that so freely because it felt like home. I knew where I was going. I've said that it was a long ago forgotten memory. I don't know where I ended and where Starlight began or where Starlight ended and I began. That's why the book is called Becoming Starlight because that is exactly what happened. Ah, that is such a fantastic story. You had that eight-year gap yeah. between losing a baby and having your husband die. I right. mean, there is something existential. I've noticed with people, I, I don't know when I, do you run into people? I run into people. Sometimes I find people are in so much better shape after a loss than I think they should be. And when I talk to them, I find out that they've already suffered an existential journey. Yeah, yeah. When you go through that type of loss, you really lose yourself and you, do, you just don't know where to go because everything, I talk to so many people every single day because that's what I do. I work with terminally ill and their families. And after we lose the person who is battling whatever illness it is, I'm left with this family staring at me, you know, and say, where do I go? What do I do? And you know, one of the first things that I have found that really, really helps people, and it sounds so silly because it's so easy, you gotta talk about it. Mm -hmm. In our society, we're not allowed to talk about grief. We're not allowed to talk about how we feel. We feel that we must meet the expectations of what other people put on us for how we are going to resolve our grief. Mm -hmm. We feel that we need to entertain everyone. When someone comes and says, I'm so sorry for your loss, what can I do? What do we say? Oh, it's okay. Right. It's okay. I'm, I'm going to be fine. It's okay. So one of the first things I tell people, deal with your grief the way you need to deal with it. If you need to lay down on the floor sobbing and kicking and screaming, guess what? Do it. Mm -hmm. If you want to go out and get drunk, okay, do it. If you want to isolate yourself pull your blanket over your head for a certain period of time, 
do it. Absolutely. Do a certain period yeah. of time is, is important. What Absolutely. You have to yeah. have that. Everyone mm -hmm. grieves in their own way. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you are not allowed to do that, guess what? You're not going to survive. When we are grieving, we don't take care of ourselves because it's such an adrenaline. It is a continual adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how to get rid of it because we're either afraid to voice it. We don't want to upset someone else. You know, when you're dealing with families where, let, let's say the, the father has died, for instance, you have a mother's grief if she has children. You have a wife's grief. You, ha you have all of these dynamics going on in the family and no one wants to upset anybody else. So no one grieves the way they need to and everybody grieves differently. I have seen people laugh. Okay, just, just right. laugh hysterically because yeah. that's how they deal with things until the tears start. Yeah. Okay, I have seen people become marathon runners mm -hmm. because that is their way of getting it out. And everyone needs to understand that everyone has to do that differently. And the second big thing that happens is with our religious tradition. Mm -hmm. Within each of our religious traditions, there are things that must be done and rules that must be followed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, yeah. And when you don't follow them, oh my God. I mean, you are chastised severely by the people in, in, in your church. It's like, what's wrong with them? I mean, something's wrong with them. They've gone, they've gone crazy or, or you are shunned or you are rejected by your family as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because you start searching. There's this, when you lose a child, for instance, why, why, why? You know, in not in the order of things. No, it goes against the total natural way. order. I mean, that's the way I was. That wasn't supposed to happen. That was my first right. loss when my daughter died, and I'm like, what? How? How can this happen? It's not supposed to be this way. And people kept telling me, "Look, the closure." Yeah, well, I'll tell you what I think about closure <laughs> on another time, but. Closure is what yeah, I see you're laughing, so you know right where I'm going. Yeah. Closure is one of those things that I believe keeps you grounded in the very thing that you're trying to get over. Right. Okay. I think you know, you know one thing yeah. that um, my daughter Heidi says, and she'd say it if she was on this show today, sometimes uh, she feels that people hold on to their grief because they're holding on to it because they're afraid they'll lose the person. Absolutely. So many people do that. And what they don't realize is that by living and thriving, they hold on to the person, the memory, the good times, even the bad times. They hold on to them even more because when you are stuck in that grief, everything else just goes by the wayside and, and you forget it all. You don't know how to deal with it. And when you're stuck in your grief, you, look, you, you have to find your way back to life. And number one, like I said, is, is learning how to grieve your own way, okay? Not entertaining anyone and not doing what is expected of you if it's not your way. And number two, you have to be free to examine what happened within your own spiritual nature. Okay, because the questions are gonna come up. You know, psychology defines, you know this, psychology defines closure as accepting something with certainty okay right. there's always that with certainty clause that drives <laughs> right. me insane you know 
and you're never going to have with certainty. And if you stay, I know, especially when we get these little messages, sometimes you got that. We right. always find dimes and weird things, yes. and you know, different little connections come up that are very yes. serendipitous. You know, and one of the things I want to get to quickly sure. here is forgiveness. Yes, because uh, I think that is so huge, especially when people get down the road and they're they're kind of I find a lot of people are wanting to get out of the grieving process. Yeah. And, and I think where you find it is forgiveness, forgiveness yes. of yourself, forgiveness. It, it all ends up as forgiveness of yourself. In the I'm end. so glad you said that. I, I'm so glad you said that because people get stuck in the woulda, couldas, you know, the shoulda. The people who have gone on they don't care about any of this stuff here. They don't care about it. You know, all they want is for you to understand that you love them well and that you were loved well. When we see these little signs you were talking about, we have to be open enough to realize that these are real. You know, there's not one person in the world that has not had some type of an, a spiritual experience. It's just a matter of degree. Tell us how we can find you. Tell us how to get your book. Give us all your info. Okay, you can, of course it's on Amazon. Everything's on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> Barnes and Noble, Indie Books. You can go to my website, www.becomingstarlight. Remember that. Right, and then let's see, there's Instagram and there's Facebook. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's just absolutely been a delight. Heidi and I would like to remind you, and I'm sure Sharon would also, that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.